This week, we explore the magical birding that the beautiful Zululand town, St. Lucia, offers. We get all the inside information from an experienced guide, Ian Ferreira, who runs St. Lucia Birding Tours. This is the perfect episode to help you find all the specials that the area has to offer. If you want to book a bird guide for St. Lucia, be sure to send in a message. All the links are in the notes to the show. Westermans is running a wild bird card competition. When you buy a Westermans Wild Bird Seed 10kg limited edition bag, you get two collectible cards. And in addition to collecting the Wild Bird cards, you stand the chance of winning amazing prizes worth over 100,000 rand, including a pair of Swarovski EL 10x42 HD binoculars valued at 45,000 rand. The competition runs until the 31st of August, and you can find more details at www.westermans.co.za. Westermans, for the love of birds. My name is Adam, and this proudly South African podcast is your weekly source of news about birds, birders, destinations, conservation, gear, books, and anything that we think birders would want to hear about. So, welcome to the show. So let's dive into this week's episode of the Birding Life podcast. So I'm having a chat today to Ian Ferreira. Um, Ian is a fantastic bird guide up in the St. Lucia area. And when we were preparing for this episode and just chatting about this episode, I said to Ian that I'm always quite jealous seeing his Facebook photos, the birds he's getting to see. So it's really great to have a chat to you today. Ian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. Great to be here obviously followed you on Facebook in terms of your birding. I don't know I don't know a lot more about you than the birds you get to see. So tell us a little bit about yourself and yeah, maybe also a little bit about how your birding journey started. Okay, yeah. Um, I was lucky. I was raised in a nature-loving family. Both my parents were bird watchers. So I started birding from a young age. Um, as a kid, I just enjoyed helping them find birds. But I think as a in my late teens, it became more serious. And then I started my own list, became quite a twitcher, hunting birds all the time. Um, but yeah, my, I was lucky as well. My folks were adventurous. So a lot of holidays spent in Kruger National Park. Also, um, they owned a Land Rover. We often went up into Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, those type places. So I was fortunate to get to bird all those areas. Grew up in Johannesburg, but knew from a young age I wanted to spend my days in nature. So after finishing school, studied nature conservation. I went to Kruger Park to do my prep year. After that, went off to Malawi and Zambia. And then, yeah, eventually, about 10 years ago, came to St. Lucia. Um, yeah, and very happy. I love the area. Yes, you must have quite a fantastic list. I mean, talking about all these places you've been to visit, I mean, you've not just got South African birds, Southern African birds, but even African birds. I mean, what's your life list on? It must be quite impressive. If you're one of the people that keep the life list, or maybe you're one of those purists that say, I don't know what my life list is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I keep a, keep track of it. So I'm on 708 now. Um, but yeah, in recent years, I haven't had as much opportunity to travel up north. So yeah, the list has slowed down. I think it took me about 18 months to get from 703 to 704. So yeah, uh, become less of a twitcher in recent years. More happy to just enjoy birds in general because I've realized 
to get beyond that number, you need time and money. And then besides birding, any other hobbies you've got? I love all nature. So living in St. Lucia, we're lucky. Got the ocean nearby, so spend a lot of time surfing and snorkeling. Um, yeah, just general game drives, hikes, walks. Just love being active outdoors. Yeah, I mean, you're in one of the most fantastic birding areas in South Africa. I mean, I must be honest to you, um, I'd be quite scared to go in the water at St. Lucia. I just check those hippos and crocs and all that. I, I stay as far away from the water as I can. I'm quite content to look at the birds from far on the beach, but not to go in the water. So it takes it takes guts to go in the water there. Yeah, I suppose it's just like a, a mind block. I was lucky when I came to St. Lucia, there were lots of guys that had already been surfing for over 20 years and they were still all right. Yeah, and quite ironically, I mean, surfing has also shown me quite a few interesting birds. Had a African penguin in the water with me yeah, in St. Lucia. Um, sooty sheer waters fly over whilst I was surfing. So yeah, it also pays off with birding. Oh, that's really fantastic. But we're going to be talking all about St. Lucia and the birds in St. Lucia today. Honestly, St. Lucia is, in terms of South Africa, I know for KZN birders, KwaZulu-Natal birders, many of them go up to St. Lucia quite often. So it just shows the the attractiveness of St. Lucia. It's about, I guess, about two and a half hours from Durbanish. Am I correct? Would I be correct in that, saying that? Yes. And and the nice thing is also, you know, for people that might not know, um, the roads up to St. Lucia, I mean, there's a few maybe difficult patches, but almost the whole way up the roads are in really good condition and it's a, it's a nice drive up so yeah the first question i want to ask is um obviously we have people that listen to the show that might stumble across the show and think this is talking about maybe <laughs> some other something else but we obviously talk about birds but for somebody that might not be a birder talk, let's talk about the even from the tourism aspect what what makes saint lucia i mean it's a let's be honest it's a small little town you know, in the middle of nowhere, what makes St. Lucia such an amazing place for tourists to visit? We'll talk about the birding aspect in a moment. What makes it in general? What makes us a, a place that everyone in South Africa and even international listeners should visit? Yeah, I would say it's the diversity and uniqueness of the place. St. Lucia town itself is quite unique. We have all the wildlife roaming through town. So, we're famous for the hippos that walk through town at night time mowing our lawns. But besides the hippos, I mean, we have honey badgers, uh, rugby tackling the dustbins at night to get the food inside. We've got warthogs that walk down the streets. Uh, even the occasional leopard gets seen at night. And then your yeah, accessibility, like you said, it's easy to access. And we're right on the doorstep of the Isimangaliso Wetlands Park, which is one of the wildest stretches of coast probably in the world, never mind Africa. It's not uncommon if you drive from St. Lucia to Cape Vidal, the beautiful beach up north, you might bump into elephants and leopards on the way. Um, once you get there, you can have an awesome snorkel, see all the colorful reef fish, uh, winter time, the whales are jumping out beyond backline. Summertime, we have the turtles, the loggerhead and leatherback turtles nesting on the beaches. And then obviously all the uh, amazing birds and the big diversity of habitats nearby as well. 
make St. Lucia a very special place. And I don't know if you're a coffee drinker, but I'm a coffee drinker. And I know there's a little, I don't know what the name of the place is. It's, there's, there's the camera shop, which is, let me just say, the camera shop in St. Lucia is one of the best camera shops around. I mean, it's really, for a small town, it's got better than most big towns. So if you go, then your photographer, your photographer needs to take care of it. Right next to there is a little coffee shop. And that place, every time I go to St. Lucia, I always get coffee. I think maybe maybe you're an insider and you know something, I don't, but I think that's the best coffee that you get in St. Lucia. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Can't argue with that one. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the birding side of things. And like I made it already mentioned, for many KZN birders, we'll often make the, the, the trek up to St. Lucia because it's, yeah, the birding is amazing. And even seeing some of the more common, in inverted commas, St. Lucia species, you know, they're still already special birds. So in terms of birding, why should every birder visit St. Lucia? Yeah, um, firstly, obviously, we have very unique habitat, yeah, the June forest and a lot of birds that literally only occur from St. Lucia northwards into Mozambique, uh, which makes it the most accessible South African place to see many birds. Uh, yeah, some examples, the Livingston's Taraco, Woodwoods, Batis, Rads, Apolis, Green Malcoa, um, Swamp, Nightjar, all those birds, St. Lucia's the best place for them. Um, besides the very localized ones we get you, just bird diversity is amazing. We've got so many habitats in close proximity to St. Lucia. Um, they've seen over 500 species of birds just in the Isimangaliso Wetlands Park. Also, besides the birds around St. Lucia itself, very well located if you want to explore a little bit further afield. There's lots of Brilliant birding locations nearby as well, like Mpempe Pan, Llefluium uh, Falozi Game Reserve, Mkuzi Game Reserve. They're all within two hours' drive of St. Lucia. So you can rack up huge amount of birds in a short space of time. But also just the sheer volume of birds. If you walk in the forest here in the morning, it's just cacophony of calls is amazing. Just birds everywhere. What I always enjoy about traveling up to St. Lucia is it's not just getting there that's really awesome. And you spoke about the places in close close proximity. You know, the drive up, obviously going, if you do a little detour, often I stop by um, Glenza Forest and spend a bit of time there. And, you know, I've said it on a previous episode, one of the things that's quite nice for people that regularly go up that way, you can get a season pass. I think it's like 100 rand or something. It's like nothing. And you can literally go in there for the whole year as much as you want. Um, obviously, Mtmanzini, which has got a really, uh, a really fantastic reserve. There. I know um, huge there's a lot of birding there, and discovered a lot of birds there, and really some amazing birds. So it's not just getting there, but you know, if you want to break that two and a half hours, three hours up, you know, you can almost stop on the way up, and there's some really amazing places to to stop it. Um, another one is obviously Sapi Stanga, which in terms of the North Coast, uh, I mean, I, I think it's gone down a little bit over up, I think, uh, over the last couple of years, sadly, but it's still a great place to stop and see waders. So even the trip up is, it's 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 almost worth leaving time aside to not just shoot up and drive up, but if you've got the time to to actually take the time to stop a couple of these, couple of these places. I mean, Glenza Forest is, I think for photographers, I mean, I know we're talking about St. Lucia, but in terms of photography, I think 
Glinza Forest must be one of the most amazing places for people who haven't been there. It's like you're almost walking on eye level with the top of these trees and seeing birds that you often have to look and, and break your, your neck to see. And you look at them on, on eye level. It's an amazing place to visit. So I think that drive up and stopping at these places is probably worth it. Yeah, so once you got past Glinza Forest, now you're obviously going to get into St. Lucia, a really, like I said, an amazing place. I think one thing that, I don't know if you'd mentioned, but it's just a lot of the... You know, there's good good shops. You can get food there. It's not like one of the obviously you can get food there, but what I mean is there's there's a good selection of shops available. So it's even if you go up there and you want to do shopping up there, there's almost everything you can get. You can get up there. But let's talk about the birding side of thing. And like I said, you've been there for for quite a few years. And we're going to do the insiders the insiders guide to birding St. Lucia. And we're going to be breaking it up and talking about the different places. So the first area we're going to talk about is which is really. I don't think I think a lot of birders know about it, but it's 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 one of the great things about St. Lucia. It's not just going to these places, but you literally can can take time. There's trails in the in in, in the town. There's places you can you can walk around. So tell us about the birding in in St. Lucia as a, uh, in the town itself. Yeah, so we are lucky. We've got some beautiful trails all within a couple of kilometers of the town itself. Um, the most famous or popular one is the Guala Guala Trail, which literally starts at the end of the main street in St. Lucia. Beautiful patch of forest, um, alive with birds. Very good place to see all the forest specials like the Livingston's Taraco, Green Malcoa, Woodward's Batis, Rudd's Apolis, uh, Eastern Nicota, Gorgeous Bushrock. The list can go on and on and on. But your beautiful trail. Other one is at the Crocodile Centre, which is also about two kilometres from St. Lucia at the Eastern Shore's entrance gate. There's a trail that leaves and walks or goes through the grassland. You get to some beautiful, beautiful water lily covered pans, often pygmy geese, whiteback duck. If you're lucky, things like lesser moorhen, um, and then, yeah, just lots of waterfowl, more common waterfowl, like intermediate egrets, um, African jacana, lots of different um, duck species. Um, around the, the wetlands themselves as well, you have uh, wild date palm, waterberry savannah, where you get uh, quite a lot of sort of bushveld birds, if you can call it that, like chinspot batters, um, white-crested helmet shrike, greater honey guard. Um, yeah, so brilliant diversity just in a very short area around St. Lucia. I know people have mentioned it, and when I was preparing for the show, I said I haven't done it myself, but I've heard a lot of people have spoken about going on the, um, they do those hippo cruises, are those worth um, somebody taking, going on them? Because, I mean, they're very touristy. But, I mean, I've heard you can see some really nice birds on that cruise. Yeah, they're definitely worthwhile. I mean, they don't break the bank. They're very affordable. And, yeah, recently they've been getting good sightings of African finfoot. Uh, in the past, they've even found white-backed night heron nests there. Half-collared kingfishers during the winter. They often find mangrove kingfisher. Uh, also, more common birds like African fish eagle and those types. You get nice and close, so very good for photographers. 
Um, and then in summer, the nesting weavers, the southern brown-throated weaver, eastern golden, lesser-masked, and thick-billed. You can get some awesome photos of them uh, as the boat goes close to the reeds. They're all nesting in the reeds. Then obviously, like African marsh harriers come past, uh, flying over the reeds as well. So definitely worthwhile. I mean, it can be hit and miss according to weather and water levels. When the water levels are high, they t tend to see less. But you are definitely worthwhile. I know that bridge right near where you the, the Hippo cruise launches from. There's a bridge there. You stand there. It's quite a good spot for the brown throat weaver. I know they are around um, in various places in St. Lucia, but I know a lot of people say it's quite a good spot to see them. And we would stop there, and you know, within a couple of minutes, we got to see them. I think it's quite a good spot for them. Yeah, that's the best spot for them, actually. So my nemesis bird is, uh, is a buff spot of flufftail. And we went there last time, and Tristan Odier, who's another uh, one of my birding mates, uh, went there, and we took someone out and took them for the day, and they were looking for Livingston Taraco and all the St. Lucia birds, and yeah, we walked through the trails there, and there was a flufftail calling from inside there, and I think we spent like an hour like sitting like like very uncomfortable. I think ants were crawling on our feet, and it was like super uncomfortable. Um, the sad news is we didn't get to see it they like they're like literally like a few meters from you and like this thing's like just taunting you and i still i mean it's it's one bird i have not seen i've heard it calling across the road from my house that thing taunts me uh i, I don't know i don't know people just put speakers and just fool you and say they exist but I'm, i've seen you, you even pictures that you have got them so i think when i come up there i've got to try and get onto one of those yeah those buff spotted fluff tails can be a tricky one uh, you get an idea of how common they are in October, November when they're calling, and you realize they're actually everywhere. Um, but yeah, very tough to find. But over the years, I did a lot of exploring. I actually even walked the pods at night to get an idea of where the fluff tails were calling from. I know it's a bit crazy uh, with hippos around, but at the time, was during the drought, so the hippos had actually moved further upstream. There were very few around St. Lucia. Yeah, I walked the pods at night, taking note of where they were all calling from. Daytime went and explored, and yeah, eventually I've got a few reliable spots for them. So yeah, when you come to St. Lucia, I can help you find them. I'm sure I'll be taking up on that offer, and I'm sure a lot of other people, because it's a very, very frustrating bird. So once uh what the draw for a lot of people obviously at St. Lucia, which is probably what it's well known for um is the estuary mouth and over the years there have been many many um fantastic uh you know birds in there so just a quick story before we and i said my flufftail story now but a few months ago with garrett ski took us up there myself and also tristan odia went up there for the day and you know we got there and we it was the crab plover was there and the skimmers and we, it was extremely hot. I'm talking about like, you know, that Zululand hell hot, like it was crazy hot. And, and you know, going on the beach, take my shoes off and walk along that, um, that like, that boardwalk to the beach. Oh my word, my feet were being chewed. Eventually got into the beach and I thought, okay, cool, I can get, this is fine, I'll make it. Oh my word, it was hell. So I literally had to run back to the car 
but my feet were like being burnt as I was running along, trying to like get back to the car to get my slops again. So yeah, my lesson is when it's hot in Zululand, don't go barefoot to the beach. It's not a good idea. Tell us about the Estria mouth, the mouth and what makes that so special. Yeah, it's one of the most exciting areas to bird purely because you don't know what you're going to find. Like you say, over the years, it's turned up some amazing birds. Just in my time in St. Lucia, I can think of lesser frigate bird, even that sooty gull came past, gullbull, tern, crab, plover, the skimmers more recently, uh, roseate, tern, list goes on and on, brown, noddy. Um, yeah, so every time you go to the estuary, there's always that excitement of not knowing what you're going to find. Um, besides that, just in general, usually a nice assortment of water birds and shore birds. There's a big turn roost there. Um, in the summer months, usually six or seven species of turn. Um, lesser crested tern is a nice one that you get a lot of in the roost year in the summer. And then you are very dynamic as well. So in my time living in St. Lucia when the lake was drying out and it was shallow, there were huge um, groups of lesser and greater flamingo at the mouth. At times, plenty uh, pelicans there. Uh, more recently when the mouth opened, also amazing basically like pulling the plug on the lake, the lake water pushed out and it pulled all the um, freshwater fish like barbel and tilapia onto the beach. But then you had all the um, yellow-billed storks and beach scavengers like woolly-necked storks pitching up to eat the dead fish. And yeah, even things like palm nut vulture came in to eat them. So yeah, it's, that's the beauty of the mouth as well as it's dynamic it's always changing different birds all the time totally unpredictable yeah one of the things that i've learned over the years there with the mouth uh, it's obviously like with birding a lot of places where you're looking for waders it is a lot better to have a scope because sometimes the birds are obviously across so you know it definitely helps having a scope when you when you're going to going to the mouth yes um scope is a Good one to have. Also, uh, very tight. Um, yeah, tidal. So low tide. The channel at the mouth is much narrower, which means you get closer to the turn roost, for instance. And also, the waders often uh, on the low tide. You can also get closer to them. The mud flats are more exposed, closer to the mouth. Scopes, obviously the wind does howl there sometimes, so it can be tough using a scope, but definitely helps. Yeah, and then obviously like anything is taking the time to scan through the birds because, you know, there's, there's especially when you've got this massive flock of turns, it's so easy to kind of like say, just like look quickly and say, it's this, it's this, it's this. And, you know, I've, I've realized that so many of these, these top birders, it's just because they take the time to go through and... And to look for that, look for that special bird. And I think it's it's you've got to almost set time aside. You know, you can really rush through the the turn roost and that, and sometimes just miss out on something that's really really special. Yeah, it's definitely a place to take your time. Um, at times, I mean, the waders there. There's literally thousands of them to scan through. Um, yeah, so have to take your time and methodically go through each one. 
As always, the Burning Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasso bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. One of the ways that you can help us to keep putting out the content that we are releasing is by supporting our online shop. We sell optics, books, Westerman's products, and a whole lot more. Check out the shop on our website, www.thebirdinglife.com. If you need any help with any of the products, please don't hesitate to email us on info at thebirdinglife.com. St. Lucia is also blessed with two fantastic game reserves, which are not only good for birding, but also are good for, for mammals. Um, like you've already spoken about leopards. is a great place for leopard sightings and all those kinds of things. Um, let's start with the eastern shores. And I think just as, uh, you know, for people, you know, I'm assuming just, just for the sake of people that might not know, um, there is obviously an entrance fee to get in. Um, it's, uh, the road network is uh, really well maintained and that kind of thing through. So tell us about, let's start with the eastern shores first and tell us about the birding on the eastern shores and some tips as to how to see more birds and where to see the birds. Yeah, so the eastern shores gives nice access to forest wetlands and then the coastal grasslands. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, a very nice road network with some uh, dirt road loops um, and also some very nice hides. There's two hides, Amazibu bird hide, which overlooks a nice water lily covered wetland. And then there's another one called Imfazana hide, also overlooks a big wetland patch surrounded by forest. Um, yeah, my suggestion when you go there, um, obviously the wetlands themselves are, are more easily accessed by vehicle or the hides, but take it slow, scan them all. Um, Flay Loop has a very nice large wetland pan loop. There's a little pan called Insombiza pan at the end also produced a lot of nice birds over the years. That's the best spot for rufous-bellied heron. Um, and then also things like lesser jacana and lesser moorhen show they often and check the pan edges for rufous-winged cysticula. Um, in the winter months, also pale crown cysticula around the edges of the wetlands. The rosy-throated long claws, quite erratic, but also wetland edges especially on the grassland loop, good place to search for them, especially the last couple of kilometers of the road before you reconnect to the main tar road. There's a nice mosaic of wetlands there. That's the best place I know for rosy-throated long claw. Um, raptor viewing brilliant throughout the park. Um, Southern banded snake eagle, best place for that is the forest section either side of the Mission Rocks turn off. They love sitting on the telephone poles. And then they scan the road for snakes, obviously easier to spot them that way. Um, yeah, and then the best place to access the coastal grasslands is grassland loop. Um, you can find things like denims busted there. There's a pair of um, secretary birds, banded martin are, are relatively common there. And then also African cuckoo hawk often flying over the grasslands there. 
So yeah, and the last, also the last couple of kilometers before you get to Cape Vidal, you pass through some beautiful dune forest, some tall canopy dune forest. Definitely a place to take slow. Um, very good for all your forest specials like woodwoods, batters. Also the best place I know for brown scrub robin. Um, yeah, marina trogons, green malcoa, all of those birds that last section to Cape Vidal. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing place. Uh, yeah, and I think... I think you got to set time aside because, you know, it's winding along those roads slowly. There's always something special. I mean, you just come around the corner and all of a sudden an ordinary day just becomes something amazing. Yeah, exactly. And you can't go wrong, really. I mean, Isimangaliso, doesn't matter which road you do, it's good for birds. Yeah, just funny story is you, the, the Rufus Betty Heron, you know, you're saying it's the best spot. Uh, what's quite crazy is so... Uh, when we were on the flock to Marion cruise um, last year, they actually one of our local birders discovered a rufous-bellied heron in a Mamsen Toti where I stay. Yeah, and it hung around for like a year. So I think that I would say at it's gone now. So just just to, you got your you got your business back, <laughs> but at that time that was probably the best place in KZN to see it because you just literally sat in the hide and the bird would be out in the front of you. It was like an it was so easy to see. And I mean, I think everyone in Durban was coming to see this. So hoping is hoping I mean, it was there for about a year. Quite interesting. So. Oh, so I would say that at that time that was the that was the easiest place to get it. But I'll give it I'll give it back to you guys now because we've got to come to your site now again. And then obviously Cape Vidal is also fantastic. You know, once you you kind of head through there, I mean, I think you get you you can get things like pink throated twin spots and that up there also. I mean, it's a really it's, I mean it does get quite busy obviously with fishermen and that. But we've taken some walks around and it's 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 really a beautiful place to bird. Yeah, especially the log cabin section at Cape Vidal. All the log cabins are under the casserina or beefwood trees, but they make a nice seed. The little cones or pods that fall off the trees are full of seeds. And that attracts a lot of your seed eaters. So, yeah, both green and pink-throated twin spot, grey waxbill, red-backed mannequin, brilliant place for all of them, as well as the forest birds You're on the forest edge there. And I'm just quite interested, you know, in terms of the, you mentioned the rosy-throated rosy long claw. I know you get them, you know, you mentioned the eastern shores, which is interesting because a lot of people obviously go to Nabella Lodge, you know, just going up north there. You know, what is the, you know, you, I know you said they're quite erratic, which is not always exciting, but, you know, what is the, in terms of people going up there, what is the frequency of seeing them? Do you see them fairly often or is it something that you will see very, very rarely there? I would say it's very rarely, but then there are spells when they're more common or they sort of resident on one wetland for a month when they're pretty easy to find. But I think they aren't loyal to any areas. They go or move according to conditions. So that's why they're erratic. I don't think there's lots of them like you would find possibly at Nabela Peninsula or those places, but they are still around. So in other words, if you're looking for one, Nabela is probably still the best place to the most reliable spot. But if you are doing a trip around Eastern Shores, look out for them because you, you might just be lucky. Yeah, exactly. 
would be a nice bonus boot. So yeah, let's head on over to the east, uh, the western shores. Uh, I personally, um, I love the western shores. It's a little bit. Uh, I found I don't know if it's always like this, but whenever I've gone there, I find there's a lot less traffic because I think obviously Cape the, the eastern shores. A lot of people are going through to 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 um, Cape Vital. The western shores, I find it's a lot more lot quieter often and. Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic place to bird. Just so people know that the obviously western and eastern shores are separate. So you're kind of either going to go into eastern or western. You're going to pay for both. So just just be aware of that. But tell us about uh, the birding in western shores. Yeah, like you say, the western shores is nice and quiet. And also, generally, when you see people on the western shores, they're there to appreciate nature. You don't have the people who are rushing to the beach or uh, going fishing. So yeah, people take it more slowly obviously disturbs the bird life and the animals less um western shores also pretty similar habitat but then different birds there's more lullapalm savanna on that side uh, grasslands and wetlands surrounded by lullapalms which is good for the lemon-breasted canary so western shores is the place to go and search for those and then also some of the grassland birds uh, and wetland birds like red-headed quelia are easier to find there in the summer months. And eastern shores actually hardly ever see them, whereas western shores you see them relatively often. Um, and then things like banded martin as well, easier to find on the western shores. Saddlebilled stork are more reliable. And Western Shore is also fantastic for raptors. So a lot of the time I go there, would see things like African crown eagle, uh, black-chested and brown snake eagle, African cuckoo hawk, martial eagle. There's even a pair of bataliers there. Yeah, so very nice birding area with also some nice forest patches. Um, they don't have any hides overlooking wetlands, but there are some beautiful water lily covered wetlands close to the road where you can also find things like African pygmy geese and white backed duck. Um, and then they've got a, they call it a aerial boardwalk where you walk up into a Cape ash tree that overlooks a flood plain, but the walk goes through a nice patch of forest. Uh, also a good place to look for all the forest specials there like green malcoa, marina trogon, uh, ruds, apples, woodwoods, batis, eastern nicota, all those type birds. Oh my word, listening to this, I just want to get up there and travel up there again. It's just, it's such, uh, you know, I, I hope people, I hope the listeners are, are really catching this. It's such a fantastic area. You know, I, I, maybe this is a bit of an exaggeration, but you know, I always, I've never been there. Um, but, you know, you almost see these Masamara where it's like these big grasslands. And it's like, I find like the Western Shores, I mean, it's not on that level. But it's almost like it's it's a lot more open. And it's like these, you know, it's just it's it's just a different, the Western Shores a little bit different. The Eastern Shores is a bit more grow, like there's a lot more growth in it, which is which is which obviously maybe closer to the, where the Western Shores are these big open grasslands. And it's just absolutely, it's a, such a, it's, 
even if you don't see good birds, just the scenery is breathtaking. Absolutely, it's it's just such a such a special place to be. And I mean, I think even for you know, if someone's driving the car as a non-birder, they much have to tolerate you stopping for every flipping LBJ on the road. But it's just it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I also love it. Oh, it's absolutely awe-inspiring. And then isn't there? There's some trees there also. What I was trying to remember now, Melissa Whitegrass told me about it. There's some stalks, I think, that nest in some of the trees there, if I remember correctly. Yes, there's a saddlebilled stork nest. I'm not sure what the name of the trees are, but yeah, it's a quite a prominent nest actually visible from the road. So yeah, often you'll find the juveniles or sub-adults in close proximity once they've left the nest. Yeah, and the nice thing about all the hides, both on the eastern and the western shores, I mean, obviously it's a big five, res- it's, uh, it's a big four reserve, eh? not big five. Yeah, they're just missing lions. Yeah, so it's a big four reserve, so you can't get out your car, obviously. But at the what's nice about the hides and the boardwalks that it does allow you to get out your car, and it's 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 absolutely absolutely stunning. I mean, I've heard people have got, uh, I think more on the eastern shores have got really great sightings of leopard. I haven't got great sightings of leopard before. I mean, um, I've seen one good sighting of a leopard at Makuzi, but you know, I've heard people on the eastern shores. There's one of the spots. It's a really great spot for leopard, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I keep a tally of all the leopards I've seen. So in my 10 years living in St. Lucia, I've now seen just over 60. And that's entering the park quite a lot. But I mean, still, it's a very good spot to look for them. I think the density is very high. It's just a challenge to see them. They're also nervous. But yeah, besides the leopards, I mean, good place for... Lots of the more uncommon species that you only find in June forest, like some mango monkeys. It's one of the only places in the country you can see some mango monkeys. I think Mahuba's Kluif is the only other area you find them. And then the red diker, very special little antelope. Um, reed buck in the wetlands, also something you don't see many places. Um, yeah, and a nice, they reintroduced. The elephants in the early 2000s, but they've become more confiding over the years, so you see them more. Yeah, so, and also things like hyena, which when I first moved to St. Lucia, it was like talk of the town if someone saw a hyena. Now it's not uncommon to see a couple of different groups or individuals if you enter the park early. So, yeah, there's something for everyone in the park. Even if you're families who aren't all bird watchers, also some brilliant animals for those that prefer the lot bigger stuff. Yeah, I've even gone with people that are herpers. Uh, you go after snakes, and they've also quite a few snake species there. So obviously, you know, even even if you're uh, into snakes and that, I mean, whatever your like like I hear what you're saying about your overall passion for nature. And you know whatever that passion looks like, there's there's something for you at in the Saint Lucia area. Yeah, I mean, diversity in Saint Lucia is just ridiculous. I mean, snakes. I mean, I've seen gaboon adders, forest cobras, green mambas. If you walk on the wetland edges with all the sedges there, you'll see three or four different species of frogs. Dragonflies, obviously the 
diversity of plants as well in the June forest is amazing. A very, very special place. And yeah, for listeners, I think especially overseas listeners, you know, often come over, it's Kruger, Cape Town, um, those kinds of places. And honestly, if you're coming to South Africa, I had some Canadian visitors uh, a while ago and they went to St. Lucia and they were just blown away with this place. It's almost like this small town with the the things that you need from the city. So it really has, it's a small town appeal, but you still can get what you need to get there. So a lot of people might come up for the weekend and arrive there, maybe leave after work on Friday and maybe leave on Sunday afternoon. And we've spoken about birding around the town. We've spoken about the estuary mouth. We've spoken about Eastern shores, Western shores, um, even <laughs> Glens of Forest on the way up, all these things. So if a listener were listening and they only had one weekend, arriving Friday afternoon and leaving possibly just after lunch on Sunday, what would you recommend that weekend should look like? And I will talk about doing a doing some, you know, booking you in a while because I do think that should be part of the weekend. But besides that, if someone's not going to book you, how should that weekend look? What would what? How would you plan the weekend out? Yeah, I would definitely start the morning on Saturday, the early morning you have to spend in the forest, take advantage of that dawn chorus. Forest birds, very difficult to see. Always tell people uh, every single special bird in the forest is hard earned. They don't come easy. But if you don't have that advantage of hearing their call, it's even more difficult. So yeah, Get to the forest early, spend a couple of hours in there looking for those forest specials. After that, I would probably head into the eastern or western shores, depending on which one you prefer, or depending on whether you want to swim or not at the end, because on the eastern shores, you can drive to Cape Vidal and still have a nice swim or snorkel potentially. Um, but yeah, take it nice and slow in the park itself. You'll have a couple of hours to do the loops. You'll, you'll still manage to do most of the loops, even if you do take it slowly. And then, yeah, uh, boat cruise in the afternoon. They're beautiful for birds. Then also with the sunset, etc. that's the best time for a boat cruise. Or alternatively, you could do the boat cruise on the Sunday morning. The early mornings are actually quieter there less boats out which means better chance of seeing the fin foot the estuary mouth is a must as well but like i said maybe best to check the weather also the tides because it is quite tidal low tide is generally best also uh, the turn roost tends to grow as the morning progresses early mornings they generally out at sea so if you can somehow fit in an estuary walk on the low tide on the Sunday before you head home, I would definitely try and fit that in as well. But also with the forest birding, you very rarely find all the, the specials in one go. So the more time you can spend in the forest, the better. No, that's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, it's it's well worth doing a weekend trip. And if you can spend longer... Um, it's definitely worth it. So, Ian, I think the last thing is is that you obviously run St. Lucia Birding Tours, and I mentioned earlier the 
jealousy I had when Tyron went and did it <laughs> and the birds he got to see. I know one of the things that you you quite well known for is the Swamp Nightjar and helping people get onto that. Uh, you know, if people are interested in obviously booking you for a weekend, tell us about St. Lucia Birding Tours and, you know, what you guys offer and then how people can book you. How can people, um, you know, book you for the book you? Because I really just, I really do suggest if possible, if you can afford it, it is always good to use a local guide because it really will add to your birding experience and, and help you get stuff like fluff tails and the, the stuff that's irritating. So tell us about your company and also how people can can book you guys. Okay, yeah, so uh, St. Lucia Birding Tours, basically I'm the one and only guide there. I do all the guiding myself and I offer bird walks around St. Lucia. So I offer forest walks estuary walks and wetland walks and they're all about two and a half to three hours long um yeah and obviously each one has different birds to offer so the more habitats you can cover the more bird species or specials you're going to accumulate but also people are welcome to send a wish list to me and then i can make a plan for the their visit to try and find the birds they're looking for. In the past, I used to do those swamp nightjar excursions, but more recently I've actually had to put a rain check on them just because of the flooding that's happened. We've had so much rainfall that the areas aren't accessible. But yeah, when it dries out, I head out at night to look for the swamp nightjars before the flooding happened had almost 100% success rate finding them. So, yeah, it's pretty reliable for them. And then also on those night excursions, also look for things like African wood owl and some of the European night jars are yeah, and then also the fiery neck night jars. Yeah, you never know what you're going to find. Um, I've even seen things like uh, pals fishing owl on the eastern shores on a night drive before. So those birds are also around. Yeah, and if anyone would like to contact me, then uh, the email address is stluciabirdingtours at gmail.com. And also, if you want to follow me or see which birds I'm finding, I've got a Facebook page at St. Lucia Birding Tours, which is quite current. So I try and take pictures of the birds I see on walks and I post them there. So you get an idea of what I see day to day and also which specials are in the area at the time. And then also have an Instagram page, uh, St. Lucia Birding Tours. And then also uh, on my website, I've got a birding blog. If you'd like to read more about the birds in the area or some of my birding experiences, uh, the website's stluciabirdingtours.co.za. Oh, that's awesome. And I really highly recommend that our people book with you guys. Tyron, who's, like I said, part of our team, came back and he spoke very highly of the walk you guys did. Maybe somewhere on the line we can do a little bit of a, a birding life walk with you and, and do a weekend and, and yeah, just uh, get some people and make it accessible for people so we can look at how we can make that happen. But Ian, it's been fantastic to chat to you, man. It's been so cool. Um, looking forward to coming up there and doing some birding with you soon. Um, let's hope the the water levels um, subside a bit so we can get some you know get some cool views of the the swamp nightjar. But Ian, thank you so much for chatting. I know we've navigated load shedding, internet problems, and all this, and it's been 
So cool to chat to you, man. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, it's been great. Look forward to you coming up this side. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's show. We really appreciate your support. If you have any comments or feedback on any of the episodes, feel free to drop us an email on info at theburninglife.com or send us a message on any of our social media platforms. We would love to get to know you better. So until next time, be blessed and happy burning.